Here we go. Teaching time. We've been in a series around prayer. We're trying to grow in prayer. And I'll be honest, I've been like, I've been feeling a little uncomfortable. Like, man, God, what do we need to talk about? Gosh, talking about prayer is sort of stupid because you've got to just pray to pray. That's how it really works, honestly. Um, talking is kind of second place to it. Um, but just really wrestling. And I was talking with Gentry and Luke Lowe's, our teaching team, and just like, what do we need to talk about? I, I feel this almost this like angst in me. Uh, I don't think in like a sinful way, but like in a holy way, like, God, what do we need to talk about? There's something missing. And um, I want to introduce just kind of an umbrella term. Just, just give us a word to keep in our minds in the next several weeks. Um, and it's this word transformation. Um, this word really, ha- it, it kind of has to be a part of our framework and understanding when we're thinking about prayer. Uh, this idea that we need to be transformed. That the miracle of God is that he loves us as we are. And then another miracle of God is he doesn't leave us as we are. He transforms us into the image of God, which is really remarkable, right? And so I want to read this passage out of 2 Corinthians. It says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, if you remember Gentry's teaching from a few weeks ago, we know that veil was, in the, was guarding the Holy of Holies with cherubim woven into it, and it was this representation. You may not enter into God's presence. And when Christ died on the cross, the veil was torn. Really powerful moment there you can now approach God. So anyone who turns to the Lord, the veil, separation from God, is completely removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so when you hit your knees, when you come to God in prayer, it is essential you understand. You are in one of the primary places of being transformed into the image of God, into becoming more and more like Christ. And church, we we really have to understand this about prayer. That's like kind of the main goal, the primary goal is God, make me more like you. In a world that is desperately trying to make us our best selves, or so they say, right? God is inviting us actually, somewhat controversially, into self-death. Die to yourself. But we know through the gospel that dying to self leads to resurrection, It leads to new life. God, we die to our old selves so that you can resurrect a new self that's identity is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. Transformation is a necessity and also such a gift. And one of the primary places transformation happens is prayer. So when you hit your knees, and this is what we're going to talk about the rest of the time, it is not a self-seeking place. It's a place where you go, God, have your way transform my life. And so this week, I specifically want to talk about, under the umbrella of transformation, this word purpose. I want us to invite God to transform our understanding of the word purpose. And here's a simple phrase. Even if you don't take notes, I beg you to write this down. 
Here's the quote I want you to bring into your prayer life this week. God, anything you want. That's the phrase, all week long. God, anything you want. Write it on your hand, write it on your forehead, write it on your steering wheel and permanent marker. Write it anywhere you need to see it so you're gonna remember it. God, it's anything you want. And I want you to hear this. If you call Jesus Lord, and you say you're a follower of Jesus, okay? Your purpose in life, first and foremost, answers to and is defined by God's purpose. God's purpose, not even for you yet, for the world. If you are a follower of Christ, are you hearing me? Your purpose answers to and is defined by God's purpose first for the world. In a culture that says life is all about you, it is all about God, his purpose for the world, for the world around you, and then for you. And I'm not saying that we don't get some like real personal components to prayer. We know this. Philippians 4 says like, man, through prayer and petition, make your request be made known to God. Those are not opposing thoughts. But I do need us to understand, it's a privilege and a miracle that God also says, yeah, you can ask me for stuff. That's, that's it. We just got lucky there. God just chose to be gracious and kind there. And that, that works. These things work together. They are not opposing thoughts. But for today, we are going to set aside the personal request component of prayer. And we're going to submit to the grand purposes of God. I want to start in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. We visited this every week because the disciples say, Jesus, how do we pray? Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, okay? Our Father in heaven. Gentry preached on this. It's relationship. It's not transactional. It's relational. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. There's a reverence there. When you talk to God, you ain't just talking to anybody. God, reverence. Then it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we get from that, God actually has a will for the world around us and for our lives. God has a purpose, and prayer is one of the primary spaces where God transforms our understanding and knowledge of his purposes. So I want to talk about first, God has a purpose for the world. I know we know this, but if you're like me, so often his purpose for the world does not enter into my prayer life. It's not a part of my like heart language with God. So I want to talk about this for a second. God has purpose for the world. God is the main character. God is the author. God is the creator. God is the sustainer of life. And the story of the Bible is not that we have invited God into our story. It's that God arrived and invited humanity into his story. And there's nuance here because in some ways, God does 1,000% into our little cute stories. I've seen God directly interact with my little life. He's touched down into my circumstances. He's spoken to me. He's touched my soul. By grace, he enters into my story. But before we come to God about our calling, our perceived purpose. We have to understand God's purpose and his heart for the world. 
So your purpose, your calling, is first and foremost to join God, his heart, his purpose, his calling. I've got so many people that wrestle. What's my purpose? What's my calling? You ever found yourself trying to discern that? It's a really good question, really important questions. What's next? What job? What person? What's this going to look like? Great questions, not dismissing those questions. But we have to understand, if those questions are causing us to ignore or, or neglect the main purpose of loving God, loving neighbor, making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to follow Christ, become more like Christ, love the presence of Christ, then we are 100% missing out on our main purpose, our main calling. Because here's the truth, Christ has already given you purpose. If you're wondering what your purpose is, your main purpose is not left up for you to discern. Christ has made it very clear. In Matthew 22, 37 and 38, they literally asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? Okay, this is that purpose just leaking out of it. Jesus says the most important thing, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's your purpose. He says there's another thing that's just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you spent the rest of your life trying to figure out those two things and live into those purposes, you would stay busy. I promise you, you would never come to the end of that endeavor and go, okay, accomplish, ready to level up. It wouldn't happen. Those will keep you busy. Number three, Matthew 28, before he ascends to the heavens, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. This is a command here. Baptizing them in the name of Jesus, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Man, that is purpose. In our place of prayer, we need to understand we are approaching a God that has serious vision for the world. He's got things he is up to, that he is trying to accomplish, that we are invited into. And I just want us to understand this. We will not get there through simple brain knowledge. Here's the deal. Nothing I've said so far has surprised you. And yet here we are. Where's the disconnect? Why are we not living more fully into our purpose? I've just stated our purpose and calling. We'll get into like the sub-purposes and sub-callings later on. Maybe, I don't even know. We don't get there by brain knowledge. Romans 12 says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present yourselves, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's what Josh is doing at 2 p.m. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's in prayer where our minds are transformed, they're renewed, so that what? We will understand in this holistic way what is the will of God. Big picture for the world. God, what is your will? I submit to that. It's anything you want to openly talk with God, listen, beg for it, seek it, prayer, patience, and persistently come before him. God, will you teach me? Show me what's your heart 
for the world before I'm coming with my agenda and what I want. God, first and foremost, it is anything you want. Tell me what you want. What's your heart? I don't want my heart. I want your heart. I had enough of mine. Give me yours. I got enough of my desires. Give me yours. And these are things that we can't force through intellect. You can't force it. It's more like an apple tree, you know? An apple tree is not like, apples, apples, you know? <laughs> an apple tree is just something that has been planted in good soil, received proper nourishment, and as a result, apples just happen like that. That's what it's like to bear fruit. John 15, quite literally, this is what Jesus is saying. Abide in me. Whoever abides in me remains in me. Close. I'm doing the Francis Chan. You, remember, you ever watched him preach? Nah, come on. You know, uh, abide in me. Whoever remains close with me, if you'll fall in love with my presence and never leave it, if you'll hunger for my presence and never leave it, if you'll create an appetite for more of me, less of you, more of my will, less of your will, here's what will happen. Fruit will happen. You will have to go, well, how do you make disciples? What's the five quick steps? You'll burst with love and you'll make them. When you love God, you will create love for God and other people. How? Dude, God will literally show you. We're so American. We're so industrialized. Three easy steps. Just download the app. Dude, the spirit of God has to create this in us. Abide in me. You will bear fruit. Galatians 5, it says, man, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all that can be yours. How? Through trying really hard? Through focusing? No, it's the fruit of the Spirit. When we learn to love God, and when you go, what do you mean? Well, when we learn to keep showing up so going, God, will you teach me what that means? What do you mean the presence of God? I don't know. We might need to be curious for a few years. God, teach me how to be in your presence. Show me how. But my posture is not an entitled posture of here's what I need. Give me, give me, give me. It's God, what do you want? Will you teach me? And if I hear nothing, I'll be back tomorrow going, God, what do you want? Will you teach me? And if it's a year, next year, I'll be back going, God, seriously, what do you want? Will you teach me? I'm convinced that we don't need more books or more podcasts. I remember when we started this prayer at nine, and I, in my head, all I wanted was silent prayer, nothing else. No one talking, no prayer teams, no anything, just prayer. That was my instinct, but I was like, hey, you know what? That might be irresponsible and reckless. Maybe I need a prayer team. And so I went to talk to my friend, Jen Barnett, She's been leading prayer ministries for a couple decades. She's incredibly wise, just steeping in the spirit pretty much at all times, it seems like. And I was like, hey, I want to start a prayer thing, but I don't want to be reckless. Should I have a prayer team? Like, if people need prayer? And this woman who's been leading prayer gatherings for decades said, no. If you give someone any other option than talking to God by themselves, they'll take it every time, even if it's something as beautiful and virtuous and good and holy as a prayer team. Ain't nothing wrong with a prayer team. That's great. Can you pray for me? Yes. A good thing just happened. We all agree. But man, when she said that, I was like, thank you, Holy Spirit. I think you were guiding us. You need to know this about yourself. 
There's a thousand things you'll do before you will sit alone with God. There just is. And some of you are already doing this so well, so that, you know, we're speaking broad terms. But we've got this instinct. There's something unsettling about sitting still. Holy God, I'm in your presence, and that's enough. And I'm going to chill right here. And I'm bringing all my angst and all my how does this work, and I'm just going to fight through all this uncomfortability. Discomfort would be the right word there. I'm going I'm to sit through all this discomfort, all this ang- and I'm just going to choose to breathe deep and let you teach me over time. This comes through prayer. Matthew 6 says this, and it's the sweetest thing. When you pray, pray in secret. Don't pray for anybody else. No ulterior motives, no audience. You pray in secret. Why? Your father who sees you will reward you. I really believe that promise. I don't know how it works. I don't know the timing of it. But church, I believe this. If we will come to God in prayer in the private places, let me tell you something. You never have to tell a soul how your prayer life is going. Now, if you want to, that might help, then do it. But you don't ever have to tell people how your prayer life is going. You don't have to give off the perception that your prayer life is awesome so everyone's like, okay, good, he's a good Christian, we're doing good. Jesus says, no, when you pray, man, there's secrets of heaven just waiting for you. You don't gotta tell a soul. It is just for you and your heavenly Father. When you pray in secret, you can trust this. Your God will see you and he will reward you. I don't fully understand what rewards means. I know that for the rest of that chapter, he speaks against earthly riches. So I tend to believe those rewards are soul-level rewards. The things we are the most thirsty for, God will provide in that inner closet of prayer. I believe rewards from your heavenly Father, tailor-made for your specific soul, are waiting for you in prayer, especially when you come with the heart of anything you want. I want to focus in on two aspects of purpose-driven prayer. In this anything-you-want posture, big picture, When we pray, when you hit your knees this week, I want you to have open hands. Open hands. And you can pray in two directions. God, you can take whatever you want because my hands are open. Literally, anything that you need to remove from my life in any form or fashion, you can have it. My hands are open. And also, God, anything you want to give to my life, Anything you want to tell me, to instruct me in, to add to my life, God, you can give it. That's what open hands means. I'm coming open-handed, God. You take whatever you want, you give whatever you want. It's literally, it is anything you want. Full stop. We pray open-handedly. So first, take whatever you want. Man, I was driving to the Ruby today. I was like, God, I just, will you just like help me? What do we need, God? And I feel like he gave me this simple phrase. If Jesus did not hold on to heaven, what am I holding on to? He reminded me of that verse. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Living in perfection, all of creation, worshiping his name. And when me and you were on the line, he left it all to take the form of a human, a servant, even death on a cross so that we could know God. Jesus didn't even hold on to heaven. What are you holding on to? Some of us are just a surrender away from just flourishing in our walk with God. But it takes this posture, anything you want. That Romans 12 passage Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Coming before the Lord, God, I want to be holy. 
I want to be an acceptable sacrifice before you. Father, is there anything in my life that is a stumbling block, that is literally an obstacle, that is a wall in the way of becoming more like you, Christ? You can have it. No ifs, ands, or buts. You can have it all. Is there selfishness? God, show me. I'm reminded of that proverb. It's like a wise man loves correction. A foolish man hates rebuke and is stupid. It says that. It calls you stupid. If you're the one going, no, please, don't take it away. Don't correct me. Don't lead me to maturity. Don't make me more like you, Jesus. Let me hold on to all my selfish motives and have you. The Bible literally says, hey, love you. You're being kind of stupid. (laughs) You're getting in your own way. I'm reminded of the, the, the psalmist David going, search me. Hey, seriously, I give you full permission. Search me. I know that anything you find and want to remove from me is not a threat. It's liberation. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So God, anything you want to remove, you can have it. Because whatever you want to remove is for your glory and somehow, some way, my good. I also win. Why? That's amazing. Take it, my idolatry, my distractions, my immature habits, if it's deep, dark sin, or I'm just wasting too much time on things that are not profitable to my soul. God, show me. Is there anything in my life making it harder to hear you, love you? Will you show me? I open up my heart before you. And even as I'm saying it, my heart is closed, so I'm going to say it until my heart slowly starts to open. Seriously, God, anything you want. And this includes desires that aren't even sinful, but they're taking a little too much precedent. We're so nervous about next steps and what the future is and our jobs and our spouses. Is that my husband? Is that my wife? Please let me know. Open the door. Like, I don't even know if he works like that. And we're, and we're thinking about it. And it's not even bad prayers. It's good prayers, but we're thinking about them so much we're getting in the way. God, anything you want, try this prayer out. Even if you don't want to take it, you can have it. Even if you don't want to take it, Lord, just to be clear, I don't feel you telling me to sell my house, but if you did, I would. I don't think you're telling me to go like leave Nashville and plant a church in Chicago, but if you did, I would. Guys, practice these prayers before the Lord. God, nothing is off the table. And why would it be? Heaven wasn't even on the table for you, Jesus. You left it all. I will leave it all. Not that you're telling me to, but if you did, I cannot express to you enough how important that dialogue is in your prayer life. You need to hear yourself telling God he can have whatever he wants. He can take whatever he wants. It will draw you so much closer to your heavenly father. I really believe he is so much more prone to draw near in tangible ways to a heart that goes, I don't have an agenda right now. I'm not bringing closed hands to you right now, shaking my fist. It's anything you want to take. Also, anything you want to add. God, if there's anything you want to add to my life, guys, I don't know if you know this, God wants to add so much to your life that you will love. Some of you guys in here are artists, you're creatives. 
And for your music or for your whatever kind of art you're doing, you go to your little creative space and you get really open-minded. It's like, where am I feeling led? What's the direction? What's moving me? Bring that into your prayer life. When's the last time you sat before God and went, God, I'm a blank slate. What do you want to talk about? I'm not coming in with any assumptions. Let's just chat. You're going to feel weird because you're talking to the air. You know, you're just like, huh, what? I'm a crazy person. No, God is literally there and will answer this prayer. I'm telling you, some of my favorite moments have been when I just sit in the presence of God and go, I don't know, what do you think? Let's just sit here. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to pray about? I'm down. Is there something you want to tell me about my identity? Let's do it. You want to teach me about you? Let's do it. Scripture? Let's do it. You want me to pray for somebody? Let's do that. You want me just to get lost thinking about how great you are? I'll do that. Let's do it. I had this thought. Our phones are incredible because these little squares are places of infinity, infinite possibility. I can sit on my couch and without moving a muscle, can learn how to build a rocket ship. I can learn how giraffes fight each other with their necks. You ever seen one of those videos? It's crazy. I can watch a funny TikTok, a little dance, try to learn it myself. I have. I haven't learned it myself. I've tried to learn it myself. Anything can happen on that phone. Think about all that you get done on your little phone. It is a place of infinite possibility. And this is going to be a corny transition, but bear with me here. That's your prayer life. Heaven is a Pandora's box. I'm telling you. And we don't know this yet because we're not practiced enough in prayer. But the more you pray with an open heart, God, anything you want to add, anything you want to speak, I'm not even going to assume I know what it is. I'm just going to sit with the posture of anything you want to say, I'm listening. I believe that God wants to blow your mind with ideas. I believe he wants to give you a heart that loves people, that thinks about people, that gives you supernatural words for others, supernatural words for yourself. Supernatural understanding about who he is and his character. But it only happens if we sit still long enough in that posture of God. It's anything you want. Teach me. Some of us here, you have been ready for several years to make disciples. And not a thing's happening. God, will you teach me to make disciples? Just teach me. And I'm not living in condemnation. If I go six years without making one, that's fine but just teach me. I'm going to be your student. Will you help me do this? You literally commanded it. Teach me how to do this. I almost want to just stop and interview every last one of you. Go, hey, how's this making you feel? Does this feel possible? Am I making sense to you? Is this making sense? There's so much more for the taking. I get this phrase in my head. This phrase, break the algorithm, is just locked and loaded in my head. We got to break the algorithm, dude. We wake up and we're just like, oh, there's the calendar. Here's today. Okay, here we go. You ever seen the Lego movie? I know it's for children. I loved it. Everyone just wakes up, goes to work. And they're all just like, just clearly robots, just like programmed to do the same thing every day. We walk around like the Holy Spirit's not in us, dude. We walk around like God doesn't want to talk to us. What's happening, dude? He just disrupts everything. Jesus came down, and for his ministry, he was like, hey, come follow me. I'm going to be a homeless nomad for three years. That's the kingdom of heaven. What? You know how obnoxious and not calendar-oriented that lifestyle is? Man, but it tells me something. We may need to pause and stop assuming we know what God wants for our Christian lives. 
Wake up going, Lord, blank slate, you're the painter. What are you drawing up today? Help me to have ears to hear, eyes to see. I believe that we, we have so much more for the taking. I'll end with this. This type of thinking and praying requires so much trust. And maybe that's where you need to start. Do you trust that God has so much good for you in store? That there's nothing to be afraid of in your journey in prayer? Whatever he wants to take, whatever he wants to add, that you can trust that. Do you trust that as you slowly approach his throne more and more and more, that he'll teach you more about what prayer even is? That even if today prayer doesn't make sense to you at all, that one day maybe it will. Because the Holy Spirit will not leave your prayers unanswered. Your prayers for more of God will be answered. I really believe that. Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. They work together for our good. We can trust his character. You think about Paul in chains singing hymns. That's the fruit of a man that trusted God. Go read the the book of Ephesians. Gaze at its beauty. That was written by a man in prison. He trusted the Lord. And so this week, simple action step. When you hit your knees, when you pray, practice this prayer. Hey, God, before I continue, first things first, it's anything you want. God, is there anything you want? to say, to tell me, to teach me, to take from me, to give to me, like, God, is there anything you want? And so for communion this morning, I literally just want our church to collectively practice this. And I'm gonna invite you to individually pray this prayer. God, is there anything you want? And look, I really believe that our prayers are not measured by eloquence of speech, by time limits, but simply by the genuine nature of our heart. And so my only invitation for you this morning, whether for three seconds or for three hours, is to genuinely, from your heart, say, God, seriously, anything you want, I'm open. Does that make sense? So literally, we're just gonna pray on our own. Just like talk to the Lord. He's listening, he's here, he's ready. So I invite you just to talk to God. If there's anything stirring in your heart, that you heard this morning, bring it to him.